Thank you, Katrina, for that. Thank you, Bible. Thank you, twins, for saying hi to your mama. Always good to have you. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm the pastor here. When you talk about me, if you talk about me, I hope you say nice things, but I also would ask you to use the pronouns she and her. Um, we're bringing chairs out right now because we're about to have a panel sermon um, on gender and God. It's going to be so great. We're going to tell you all about all these folks in our community. Um, but first, I wanted to say a little bit, and so I would invite them forward as I speak, as, as you take your place, um, a little bit about this scripture. We wanted to read it because we have a commitment. We are a church that lives in four places, that all of our churches read the scripture at once. Because of our panel sermon, we're going to be getting into it a little bit less, less today. So if you want to go in on Matthew 12, I would encourage you to um, uh, listen to the podcast and hear the sermons from our other three sites. But here's what I love about Matthew 12. Um, Jesus is a Pharisee. So whenever it says, and then the Pharisees talk to Jesus, or and then the Pharisees fight with Jesus, we're talking about a family conversation, right? We're talking about an in-group fight, which tend to be the most tense, right? The people that we expect to agree with us, it's the most frustrating to us when they don't. Um, and so what I love about this conversation is that when it starts out, Jesus's people um, uh, with whom he agrees on so much uh, are, are disagreeing with him about some stuff. When it starts out, it's kind of like how it starts out when you talk about something that you really care about but disagree with your family about at Thanksgiving dinner, which is that he starts out by quoting the scriptures, right? <laughs> which is, they can't possibly deny me if I show them that I have ultimate proof. Um, and then over time, as this conversation gets further, where he ends is by describing people that he knows. Not everybody can act in one way. Some people have been made like this, and other people have been made like this. Some people find in their life this thing, other people find in their life that. So I'd encourage you to look to the podcast to get an extended exegesis of that passage, but what I want to um, put before you is that Jesus cared about, as we care about, how the scriptures live themselves out in the lives of people. Every human being is one of the scriptures that God is writing because God made you. God created you with purpose and with intention, and God is telling a story about who God is through who you are and through who each one of these people are, and through who I am. And so that's why we want to do things like panel sermons, so you can see where God is at work in our life and in our lives. So thanks, guys. And uh, where the, oh, okay. I was like, oh. So first, uh, I'm Hannah, you know me, but if each one of you could just tell the church uh, how long you've been at Urban Village and what your name is, and I've told each of you this, but we are Facebook Live in the sermon, so just in case it was, it occurred to you to say anything that you don't want the world to know, I'm letting you know. Um, but uh, say your name, how long you've been at UVC, and anything you want the congregation to know about you. So I'm Kiki, and I've been at UVC for about a year. Um, I grew up in Minnesota, and which is where I went, met my lovely wife, Molly Jo. You see her on the hearth lots. Um, and yeah, we've been coming here for a year. Uh, yeah, so my name is Carter. If you want to talk about me, you can use the pronouns he, him, they, them, or she, her, whichever of those you want to use. I'm originally from New York, and I've been living in Chicago for about three and a half years now, and been going to UVC for three years. Hello, I'm Ben. Um, I am originally from Tinley Park, Illinois, so like 45 minutes south. Um, I go by male pronouns, so he, him, his. Um, and I identify as a transgender man, um, so born biologically female, transitioned to male. Um, 
and I think I've been going to UBC for about three years now. So. Okay. Uh, I know that because Ben was in my first starting point ever, for those of you who are in starting point today. Uh, so one of the ways we put this panel together, every single one of us has a journey with gender. There's nothing that opts you out of having a journey with gender because the world cares about it a lot. <laughs> and so I basically emailed 40 people who are great within our church who I had seen speak publicly before, and I said, hey, do you want to talk about gender? <laughs> and these three people said yes. And I say that just to preface, there is no group of three people in the world who could cover all of the things about gender, so that's not the expectation we're gonna have of each other today. We're gonna have the expectation that we tell our stories honestly, and so that's what we're gonna do. Um, so tell us a little bit about your journey with gender. What has it been? Um, so I feel like I started noticing that my gender wasn't very typical when I was young. Um, growing up, there were a lot of different signs that kind of, I think, led me to where I am now. Um, one of the main ones that I reflect back on is that in any formal role playing, I always wanted to be the male character. So whether that was like playing house with my cousins or The Sims or video games, like I always wanted to be the male. And I remember feeling uh, distinct discomfort whenever I would have to be the female, um, so daughter, mother. Um, and then as I grew up um, through puberty and in high school, um, I noticed, one, I was uh, attracted to women, and then two, that I just felt really uncomfortable with certain parts of my body. Um, in addition to being attracted to women, I noticed that whenever I envision my relationship with someone, um, it never felt right to be in a relationship as a woman with someone. I always felt like I saw myself as male in those circumstances. Um, so I didn't come out until I was almost 22, um, and then I started transitioning in 2015, so I think I was 24. Um, through between those two points, there's a lot of wrestling with my faith. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I came out, uh, or when I came out, and now I just feel much more comfortable with who I am and identifying with my body. Um, so yeah, that's a brief summary. Uh, for me, I think my like my earliest memories of my gender journey were from when I was a kid and I could feel that I was attracted to men, and I thought that in order to do that, I would have to be a woman. And I got it really set in my head that I would have to be a woman in order to be in a relationship with a man. And when I was about 13 or 14, I learned about this gay thing and <laughs> realized that that's what was going on. And <laughs> that was a big revelation, and that sort of like made me think that I had resolved the gender thing that had been sort of awakened within me from when I was a child. And so I lived very comfortably as a gay man and eventually came to realize like that still wasn't fitting right. Like child me was right about something. It just wasn't entirely right or for the right reasons. And so I began to read more about like trans experiences, about genderqueer experiences, and found a lot of things that resonated with me and my experience of my gender growing up and today. And so today I identify as genderqueer or non-binary or gender fluid. And those are a bunch of different 
terms that you may have never heard before, and if you want to learn more about them, you can always come and talk to me. I love talking about gender and also about myself, so <laughs> <laughs> if you want to learn about those, I would be more than happy to tell you about what those terms mean, what they can mean, and like introduce you to the vast expanse that is gender theory. <laughs> so I came out a couple of years ago, and uh, while I was um, really in the thick of just thinking about nothing but whether or not this was real for me, uh, I would look back at my whole life and try to find uh, the signs, uh, signs that I felt like God was showing to me. Uh, memories, like praying for a little sister. Uh, specifically, I wanted a little sister, not a brother. And uh, how much I was into my little mermaid toys and sleeping bag and uh, Barbie dolls and things like that. And then you grow up and things start getting more gendered. And it wasn't necessarily that they didn't allow me to have things I wanted, just it gave me the things that I got. And I went with all those. So I grew up in doing male things, airsoft guns and whatnot. Uh, and then I went to an art school. Um, and that's where I really started seeing, meeting people experiencing stories that other people had, and uh, that's where I really started feeling like something was uh, not wrong. And even before that, I had always been like, I don't feel comfortable in my skin. Like, my skin doesn't feel like it's my skin. And um, so then I started thinking about that at school, and I would have conversations with people, and sometimes I would say things like, I feel more like a, a lesbian girl than I do a straight man. Uh, but I didn't bring it up as if I was trying to talk to people about it, so it would just be a short clip. Um, and then that, the fact that I was into women is what made it so hard for so long to uh, accept being trans, because if I was born biologically male and attracted to women, then everything's working right, so <laughs> how could I be trans? But I had to, had to really separate sexuality from gender, and also religion from gender and sexuality. Um, and then once I was able to, to do that, everything started coming together. Um, I, like I said, everyone has a gender journey, and so I wanted to share a little bit of mine with you, too, um, just so, because I don't like to ask other people to do things that I wouldn't do myself. <laughs> so I was born, and the world called me a woman, and that has turned out to fit I am a woman, I, I feel like that, I feel that uh, in my body and in myself, the same way that all three of you described. Um, for me, where gender has been a place of tension um, has been less about my essential gender identity and more about um, how it feels to be my gender in the world <laughs> and like what the world puts on me about that um, and what feels safe and what feels dangerous and what feels good. Um, I had a family that really raised me in this sort of, you can do whatever you want, be whoever you want, it's all gonna work out kind of way, you are strong, and you know, I 
didn't like makeup but loved dresses, you know, all these things that you realize aren't gendered later, but I, and had a sense of myself as a leader and then went out into a world that couldn't always see me that way. Um, so, you know, and, and in the church actually has been a big place of affirmation for me. Most of the churches that I've been a member of have always affirmed me as a person and as a leader. But then I, now that I'm a pastor, I go out into larger church spaces and experience a, a kind of uh, denial of self that I never had really experienced before. Um, a couple months ago, I was at a big church meeting of a couple hundred churches. And like I said, we're a church that lives in four places. Um, three of the pastors are women. One is a man. Um, Chris, he's great, uh, uh, but someone at this meeting, another pastor, came up to him, and I was sitting right there, as were a couple of other pastors, and said, oh, I see you brought your harem with you, um, and Chris, to his credit, was like, no, 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 uh, let's not do that, um, but it, experiences like that, actually, as an adult, have, have brought me to think about my gender a lot more than I did when I was a kid, so that's my particular experience. Um, where has God been really present or really hard to find on your journey with gender? Where has God intersected with that journey? <laughs> uh, so for me, I came to understand my gender and sexuality at a time when I wasn't religious. I wasn't going to church. I didn't believe in God. And so there was never any faith that I had to deconstruct around that because I just didn't have like a church telling me that there was anything wrong with me, or I guess I just didn't care because I wasn't a Christian at that time. <laughs> uh, so then when I came to learn those things and came, started coming to UBC and investing and learning more about my faith, I've been able to sort of build a faith that works for me and see all of the ways that God has affirmed people and people like me throughout history and like throughout everything, because like trans people exist. We've existed forever. Like we're not going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> and like one of the really like beautiful things for me in seeing that was like seeing it in the Bible and like seeing in the story of Adam and Eve when God creates man and woman, he doesn't say Adam is a man because of his genitals or Eve is a woman because of her genitals. He just says like, this is Adam, this is Eve, this is a man, this is a woman. And like, that's it. And then everything else is like things that we've placed onto them since then. And I think it's really empowering to think about like God created all of us and gave us all of these things about ourselves that we can learn more about. Um, so for me, I grew up, we grew up very loosely Catholic um, and so we didn't really go to church. So there was nothing that in my uh, family or life that was saying it's wrong to be LGBT. Um, and, but I still found a lot of shame in my identity and what I was feeling and I think confusion. And so, um, I really, you know, didn't come out until later, but during that first part of my life, God was really present in just being a source of support that I didn't have in anyone else. No one else knew what I was going through. So in my moments, just by myself, I feel like I really connected with God, um, and then it wasn't until college that I started to um, be surrounded by um, or be involved with a Christian circle and kind of more traditional theology. It was the first time I really heard like God thinks being LGBT is wrong. Um, and so kind of as I wrestle with my gender and um, 
and my sexuality, I feel like it really distanced me from God um, during that point. So really the church was a source of pushing me from God, um, ironically. And then uh, after I came out and kind of started being more involved with queer spaces and queer affirming theology, um, felt more of a connection to God within my transition. Um, and so. so the church that I grew up in uh, was um, pretty, pretty decent, but they still, uh, you could still feel how the underlying um, views on LGBTQ were definitely still very sinful and wrong. Um, and so by that token, even though I hadn't been um, really seriously thinking about it for myself at that time, it just started feeling more and more like the church wasn't a loving place. Uh, and I felt God's presence in that church less and less as time went on. Um, so uh, I, when I came to Chicago, um, I really felt God mostly just on a personal level kind of being like, you're at uh, an art college here. A lot of the people you're meeting are um, pretty anti-Christian uh, for whatever reason, be it they grew up and went to a harsh Catholic school or they see the Westboro Baptist Church and just think all of us is that. Um, so it took a while for me to feel uh, like I was very um, close with God, but I was still um, trying to reflect Jesus and the lives that I was touching. Um, and so because I was, uh, because I removed myself kind of from the church environment, uh, it allowed me to over the next few years um, really think on things on a much more personal level. And when I was able to start uh, inviting God back into my life again, it looked very different. Um, I basically at one point just asked God, like, wait, so you're all things. You must be a woman, too. And they were just like, yeah, of course. I'm God. I'm, I'm everything. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I can't tell you how much I recommend this spiritual practice, this prayer, which is um, if you are agonizing over something, if it is painful to you, if it is, whether it's personal life, large life, question about how things are, to ask God directly about it. It's strange to me how how uh, rarely we do that. <laughs> to say, God, what do you, God? Where are you? Where are you in this? Um, are there any other people, sources of wisdom, sources of faith that have been important to you on this journey of figuring out gender and your faith and God? So therapy is very good. I highly recommend it. Pro. Uh, one of the things that resonated me most in some of my earlier therapy sessions was basically. Uh, my therapist telling me, it sounds like you uh, have a lot of things that you enjoy. Um, you're just not giving yourself permission to enjoy anything. I was like, yeah, that is it. Every time I want to enjoy something, I feel either guilt or shame or something. But that's just because I'm not giving myself the permission to explore it. And so that just like snapped the fingers and changed everything. That's what I'll say right now. I think a really important place for me had been or has been in the internet and just seeing 
all of these different stories and reading all these different blogs, like RIP Tumblr, but like all of these different places where you can find people's stories and they're sharing openly and talking about themselves was a great way to see that I am not alone in my gender experience or in my identity. <clears throat> and like a biblical story that I like to share or like an interpretation is the story of Sarah and Abraham and this interpretation that Sarah was a trans woman because her name before Sarah, like if you don't know, Sarah was originally Sarai and Abraham was Abram. And then later God's like, hey, your new names are Sarah and Abraham, like congratulations. And the thing about the name Sarai is that it's a name that both meant prince and princess. And it can be read as Sarai being a man. And then God said, guess what? You're now Sarah. And also I'm gonna make you fertile because Sarah was infertile for most of her life until God changed changed all that. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's been like a really affirming place to me, <clears throat> for me to see that story and that interpretation and see like, wow, like God did this. It's right there in the Bible. Like trans people are in the Bible and it's only through like the sin of transphobia that all of that has been hidden. And I've had to work and dig so much to try to find those things and find affirming theologies and find the stories of other people that have shared experiences. And so one of the things that I like to think about is like, how can we uncover that? How can we <clears throat> overcome that? And how can we walk with God in removing those barriers? Um, for me, I would say kind of the most transformative thing was just hearing other people's stories, which seems to be kind of a trend with all of us. Um, and, and so kind of the thing that I've noticed for myself is that I have a lot more grace for other people than I do for myself. So it wasn't until I started meeting um, other people with similar journeys and stories and struggles that I was able to fully accept myself. Um, so kind of talking with the people you know, um, I went to a conference back in 2015 where there was, um, it was the first time I started going by Ben. Uh, it was the Reformation Project Conference. And so there's just a lot of people there that I met that I'm like, wow, God is really present in this person's life and it's very clearly visible. Um, so that really helped me uh, to kind of accept myself. Um, and then YouTube, I think, is a great place to find resources if you're not ready to kind of go out and ask people um, or be out yourself yet. Um, there's one of my friends, Austin Harkey, does the Trans Christian YouTube video series. Um, he also has a book. And there's just more and more kind of trans Christians being visible online. Um, and I think more books that are coming out too. So that's always a good resource um, to pursue. One of the things we've been talking about a lot throughout this sermon series is um, gender is so big and wide and wonderful. All of us are on a journey with it um, and that most of us are wrong about something or changing our mind all the time. <laughs> so I was curious to hear from you guys, what is something in the last couple years, so recently, where you have changed your mind about gender or come to a new place about gender? Either something you were ignorant of or wrong about or just something where you've moved. Um, yeah, what's something that's new for you? Um, for, for me, I think it's something that I was aware of before, um, but really like got to experience in a whole nother way. And I 
said in the first service that I really hate that I had this experience, um, but just acknowledging how prevalent uh, and real male privilege is. Um, so kind of experiencing um, life on both sides of that. Um, now I realize that in my day-to-day -day life, I'm taken more seriously. Um, I remember when, before I had transitioned, I worked at a bike shop and a lot of men would come in um, and want you know, help with their mechanics on the bike and be like, oh, where is the mechanic? And even though I could do the same thing that the male mechanic could do, um, in my current job, um, I noticed that my older male patients, I work in a clinical setting, um, treat me differently and act completely different. And then sometimes when the you know, female nurse will come in the room, their tone completely changes. And I'm grateful that I don't have to deal with that anymore, but it's also um, very, makes me very sad and dis it's disheartening to see that that's how the world still is in many spaces and how some people carry themselves. So it's taught me to kind of call out the people in my life that are taking advantage of their male <laughs> privilege. Um, and yeah, so I think that's, been the biggest thing I've learned. Uh, so I think something that I've learned a lot more about that I was entirely ignorant of was uh, I learned about intersex people and sort of what happens to a lot of intersex people in when they're born, the doctor will look at their genitals and decide, you know what, we're just going to do this medically unnecessary surgery on this baby in order to make them fit into a male-female box. And it's really horrible that we are making those kinds of decisions for children and telling them this is the gender, this is the sex that you're going to be, and they have no input and no way of expressing what they want or what they feel or what they believe. And it gets to the point where there are people in their 30s, 40s, 50s who never know that they, were, that they are intersex until they go to a doctor and have some special test done. It's like, well, did you know that like, this, is your, this is what's going on inside of your body? And that information had been hidden from them for their entire lives and a lot of people struggle because it's not it's not as simple as just like moving some genitals around with a surgery like it's a whole experience and it's something that we have to learn more about and do more to like stop doing extremely unnecessary surgeries on babies or really on anyone but especially on babies <laughs> I really love that you talked about intersex people because that was something that blew my mind when I found out about that reality. Um, but what I was going to talk about is not a couple years ago, this was more like 10 years ago, but when I was a kid, my entire view of uh, what a marriage would look like is that uh, the, the wife should not have to work. Like, they can. I had no issue if my potential wife in the future would want to work, but it was my job as responsible man to make sure that they didn't have to if they didn't want to. And uh, so that took a few years to kind of uh, figure out that that is such a messed up <laughs> uh, notion. But yeah, it was a, it was a very stark contrast with what I you know, think now, which is... <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to explain it, just that that, was, uh, that, that is uh, unrealistic to be like, that's the way things have to be. The wife should never have to work. Like, that's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> and a lot of pressure in this economy. <laughs> so that's rough. Um, 
So I wanna, uh, as we close, just is there any last thing that's on your mind that you wanna make sure you share with the congregation? Anything that's burning on your heart or anything that just is something that you haven't gotten to say yet? Um, and particularly around this area, one of the ways that we've been talking about it is, uh, is God calling us to loosen up our expectations of what we have to do or have to think about gender? Um, are there any last things you want to share as we bring this panel to a close? Well, I just uh, would say something like um, that activities don't need to be gendered like they so much so are, you know? Um, yeah, looking back and remembering how much I was into like The Little Mermaid and Kiki's Delivery Service and things like that. Uh, yeah, those were important to making me form my um, realizations that I am trans. Uh, but then it makes me be like, okay, well, I played with airsoft guns too, so that means something's wrong. Or so no, activities are activities. You shouldn't have to think about them any, any more than just that you like doing that. You know, um, yeah, just enjoy the things you enjoy. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think I would like to sort of ask or challenge everyone to think more critically about your own gender and think about what it has been or what it could be and your experiences of it. And something that I really like is it can sort of be a spiritual practice, a biblically-based biblically practice, is last week when we were reading about Genesis and we talked about how God made man and woman and God made morning and night, and that even though God made those two things, there's still a whole bunch of things in between them. Like, the light doesn't switch on and off for day and night. There's a whole bunch of stuff in between and within that. And one fun activity you can do is to think about what time of day is your gender? So rather than thinking about like men are this time of day and women are this time of day, like specifically you within you, if you were to describe your gender as a time of day, what would it be? And I guarantee that someone who has a similar gender expression or experience of you will have a different time of day that they identify as their gender. And it's so fun. <laughs> after, after worship, <laughs> we'll all meet at the snack table. <laughs> Um, I think I have two things, um, more, so this one, I guess, is more directed at cis-identifying individuals, so if you don't know what that means, it means you identify with the biological sex you were born, um, but just to, um, go out and kind of educate yourself a little bit on, um, trans, gender fluid, and intersex topics and individuals, um, as it is society, I feel like can be challenging to navigate through um, no matter what, uh, but sometimes I feel like it can be harder um, if people don't understand where some of us are coming from. Um, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, I think that if you're coming from a genuine, uh, genuine area of wanting to educate, um, at least I am open and happy to answer questions. And if you're not sure, Google is a great friend to look in that aspect. Um, but just making the uh, world more friendly and open to that. Uh, and then also, kind of for everyone, I think it's really important, and you kind of touched on this, to break down gender stereotypes. Um, for me, when I came out, I was so obsessed and almost idolizing of my masculinity that I, I didn't allow myself to embrace all parts of myself that were both masculine and feminine. Um, so 
challenging you to be comfortable with all of those parts of yourself, but also working towards making a society that isn't so gendered and trying to fit gender into specific stereotypes and boxes. So that'd be my advice. Thank you. Um, one of the takeaways for me is like hallelujah for the internet, right? <laughs> it helps us to find each other and find information, but most especially hallelujah for each other. Um, a big debate over time in the Christian community has been um, whether we are made good and things turn bad or whether we are made bad um, and there is nothing left for us. And there's a lot to say about the dangers and the gifts of believing in one of those things. But I think when it comes to gender, um, all the things have the potential to be really, really good, right? Manhood can be great and womanhood can be great and neitherhood can be great and bothhood can be great and being intersex can be great and being trans and being cis can be great and filled with all kinds of ways that we find God in those gender identities, but we've been doing so much work to use them as weapons instead and to use them as limits and restrictions instead. And so I'm grateful for a community where we are trying to do that less and find God more in the fullness of how God has made us. Um, and that is because our community is comprised of so many incredible folks like you. And so let's give thanks for three children of God who taught us today, Kiki and Ben and Carter.